Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of our conversation with Brandel Chambly. I do, again, apologize for the sharp cut at the end of part one. I did not want to leave it all in one episode. And things really ramp up here in our discussion on technology and a lot of other a lot of the other issues in golf. Um Part of the reason we're having this debate around technology uh, is related to what I'm about to tell you about, Callaway's new driver teaser video that came out this week for their new driver. Uh, still not allowed to say the name of it, although I'm sure you can find that online if you want to. We were lucky enough to get a look at it when we were out there in Carlsbad last week. Uh, got to see some pros try it for the first time, and it is going to be a game changer. It is going to shock people, and you heard uh, what we had on the last episode and what Ollie, said, Ollie Schneiderjan said on the last podcast that he picked up about five miles an hour alone with the new driver head, which is a pretty quantum leap in driver performance. So be sure to check out all the videos on Callaway's social channels or at callawaygolf.com slash AI and stay tuned for details on January 4th. Without further delay, let's get into the wrap up of our conversation with Brandel Chambly. What do you think needs to be? You, so you, but your response or your your what needs to be done is to like change all of the golf courses. I know no. you don't mean all, but like no, not 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 all of them, not, not hardly any of them. Um, in the same way that it is ridiculous for any club to make changes for professional golfers, they're guests. They come in and out. They should never acquiesce to professional golfers. There should be golf courses for professional golfers that should never acquiesce to the average golfer. Who's going to pay for those? Um, well, the PGA tour paid for the, 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 the TPC sawgrass. Uh, they've paid for most of the TPCs that exist. And they make 500 bucks around and they, they sell that to people all year. Right. I'm I'm not saying it's for everybody. I'm not saying it's for everybody. I mean, you don't drive a formula one, uh, racetrack core. I mean, you you know, I'm saying these are professional golfers these are these are for the most elite so in the same way that look architecture the golden age of architecture was designed in an era when the game was very hard and they were trying to get as many people to play the game as they could and i understand these precepts and i understand why they did it and they're marvelous the golf courses are great i love reading about them i love studying them but nobody has yet figured out um that or or came at golf course architecture with just the idea, other than Pete Dye, with just the idea of trying to build a golf course just to challenge the very best player with that in mind. Now, you say who's going to pay for it. I, I hazard guess that the world beats a path to the TPC Sawgrass. They want to play it. They want to play a golf course that was designed for the very best golfers. Who's going to take the angle on 18? to get the angle into that green off the tee. Who's going to do that? No amateur golfer can do that. They cannot do that. Very few professional golfers have the talent and the skill and the verve to draw it off 18 and get in the left side of the fairway on 18 at TPC Sawgrass to get that angle. Very few. They go right. They hit it down the right side. And then they come in over that slope and the green angles towards the water. 
that hole was designed for the very best golfers in the world. Um, it's, a, it's a preposterous hole for anybody else. Absolutely preposterous. And TPC Sawgrass is 17 good holes and then a terrible hole in the 17th. Um, <laughs> but by any definition, it's a terrible hole. But um, I guess by any except one definition, is it entertaining? Um, and, that, and that's what that that's is That's where I go back to like what is professional golf? You know, I mean, it, you just said it like it's entertainment. I mean, the match a couple of weeks ago was that wasn't anything spectacular, but was it entertaining? Yeah, I was kind of glued to the TV for several hours. Yeah. But along those same lines, and I've heard you say that fans love watching the ball go far, love watching guys hit the ball far. My question related to that is, does that translate to TV? For me, it doesn't. I don't think it's exciting to watch guys just wail on driver on TV. I can't see where it's going, and I don't think it. I don't think it adds a lot to the overall experience. I'll tell you an experience. A view, the best viewing experience of golf I had this year was watching a replay of the '99 Ryder Cup at Medina, and what? Or I'm sorry, at um, at Brookline, and watching. Paul Laurie like neck a four wood and hit it low and into the crowd to the left. And you could see where the ball was going that to me and watching guys hit six irons into par four, par fours. Again, maybe that was just cause it's so different than what we see. Mm-hmm. That to me was really, really entertaining. Is that entertaining to the masses? I don't know. So what do you not like home runs and baseball? Do you not like to watch? Uh, I think the steroid era is looked you, at very differently yeah. than, uh, than the rest of baseball history. I mean, it was fun, but then it was like, wait a second, everyone's doing this. Why is that, why is that special? You know what I mean? Well, long before the steroids, there was a period of baseball known as the dead ball era, and it ended in 1920. And by 1921, um, Babe Ruth was hitting you know 50 home runs, and it changed baseball. And people came out to watch it. People love home runs. They love slam dunks. Um, they love the fastest swimmers and the fastest. They don't think it's more fun to watch guys um, shoot layups. And I think, yeah, when I watched Dustin Johnson drive the, the what is it, the 12th hole at, at Kapalua, um, I, I, I personally I found that to be very entertaining. You know, Jack Nicklaus driving it past everybody in 1962 or 65 uh, Masters, 66 Masters. People found that to be entertaining. You know, I mean, the most entertaining golfers are not short hitters. They're long hitters. People enjoy watching the ball go a long way. But I think that now the thrill of watching a ball go past someone isn't the same as what it was then because the risk is just so much less. The the, the sweet spots on these drivers are so – Justin. you referred to Justin Thomas. He grew up learning how to hit a golf ball in a different era than even what I grew up in. I mean, I grew up – I started playing golf competitively in the late 90s. I, I remember the feeling of those duck hooks and the slices and yeah. the balloon balls. Right, you, and, see, you see them every day. And to this day, my swing is probably a bit defensive because of that. I didn't learn to just wail on the ball. And I think we're already – Cameron Champ is kind of very representative of what is coming and watching some of these college guys hit he the is. golf ball – it's 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 a I'm not going to say it's the only way to the tour, but like there is a path and a precedent set for what is going to make a successful golfer at the highest level. And it's not hitting it where Johnson Wagner hits it. Just no, pulling well, look, I, I agree. We something needs to be done just to hold right now. The correlation between driving distance and scoring average is sneaking up on 50 percent. And it was as little. What does that mean? I saw you tweet that stat the other day, but what do you, what is it? Well, it's just a. It's, it, it, when you, when you look at the number of players, you know, it's using regression analysis. And when you look at a bell curve, um, 
in the middle of that bell curve on either side of it, the further you get away is one standard deviation, two standard deviations, three standard deviations. Everybody's going to fall pretty much within those parameters. And then it's very complicated math that I didn't do. Sabermetrics, Bill Felber did it. Mm-hmm. And he did it with golf the same way he'd done it with baseball. And, and it's very complicated. You do it between dependent uh, stats and independent stats, and then you um, there's a lot of division, and you get to what's known as a Z-score. Mm-hmm. And you come up with a correlation between driving accuracy and driving distance, whatever stats you want to use, but you're trying to find a stat that most closely represents scoring average. If you know that, then you know what to look at to, to, to analyze the game. And even with all of this, these metrics, still the biggest determining factor in what you shoot is not driving distance. It is greens and regulation, then scrambling, and then driving distance. So even now, even though driving distance is more important than it's ever been, it is still who hits the most greens, who scrambles the best, and then driving distance. But driving distance has um, has has become much higher correlated to scoring average and driving accuracy, uh, much lower correlation to scoring average, which, look, I think these problems are solved with math. I think you sit down and you philosophically come up with what type of game you want to see played at the highest level. Okay. If I, if I'm, if it's my, if it falls upon me to design a golf course, first of all, and then set that golf course up, I think you, you you philosophically have to say, who, what type of player am I going to reward? Now, they do this at Augusta National, and they do it very well. I want to see this degree of accuracy. I want to see this kind of length. I want to see this kind of imagination. Uh, and then you design a golf course accordingly. And then you also set up a golf course accordingly. Right now, if you miss a fairway on the PGA Tour, it costs you 0.1 or 0.2 strokes. Um, one to 10, I'm sorry, 10 to 20% of a stroke. Um, if you think about that, and that is a a very meager penalty for missing. And, and look, should that be the penalty for amateur golf? I, I don't know, but a golf course that a professional plays shouldn't be set up the same way as as an amateur, in my opinion. So look, right now with driving distance becoming much higher correlated to scoring average, I think redesign of some central golf courses. Everybody talks about how great the architecture is in Ireland and Scotland and in England, and it is. It's it's fabulous. But we do not have golf courses like that here in the United States. Nowhere near. I, I struggle with that too because I, I I keep wanting to go back to the the hole that sticks out to me is like the most entertaining tee shot I watched this year was the sixth hole at Carnoustie. You have the OB left. You have the centerline bunkers that if you want to go left down Hogan's Alley – that you have to fit it between that bunker and OB. And if you want to bail right, like there's other bunkers waiting for you there. And that that element, but it all came back to the soil type there and the way the ball runs when it hits the ground. And But it's all, so it's all this whole big circular thing of the ball goes so freaking far now that you got to water the fairways a little bit or else the ball's rolling out for absolute ever. And the golf is, and I sound like Andy Johnson from Friday saying this, but golf is way more fun when the ball is on the ground and rolling. And everything that is curving in a, in a way in technology is to get the yeah. ball up in the air, yeah. carry that bunker, fly it. Who cares? Just go right by it. You sure. know. Well, it's more fun, but you know, he's limiting himself to, to, uh, to coastal courses. If, if you're looking for that kind of turf, 
you're extremely limited in what kind of golf course you can play. I mean, he's looking at the ideal, and coastal courses give you this running turf. And that's great mm-hmm. if you can get it, but but the fact is 99% of golf is not coastal golf courses. Right. It's parkland golf courses where it rains. So you still have to come up with – you can't just ignore the – you cannot try to take um, – I mean, yeah, people do. You can take the same sort of precepts, the architectural precepts, and apply them to parkland golf courses. It's a little more difficult. Uh, and, and look, golf course architecture is not my bailiwick, um, although I do study it. I read about it. I look at it. I spend a lot of time drawing holes, messing around with it. But there are people that certainly are more knowledgeable about it than me. But if they were sitting right here, I would say, why here in the United States are there not bunkers in the middle of the fairways? <clears throat> Why are there not bunkers that are 70 yards short of greens that, that look like they're there for, for no reason? But the minute you drive it in the rough, you start having to deal with these bunkers. Now you're speaking my language. So <laughs> why doesn't that exist? I promise you, if I design a golf course, you will – and you know everybody thinks I'm for narrow fairways. I'm not. That's wrong. I'm for wider fairways. Again, math works here. You look at the dispersion rate off of the tee. And the dispersion rate of a drive that goes 275 is nowhere near the dispersion rate of a drive that goes 340. So fairways need to be wider to accommodate the dispersion rate. And then, in my mind, for a professional golf course, not for an amateur golf course, but for one that tests professionals, there's a higher penalty for missing the fairway. Wiry, random, capricious rough, not not all the same length at all. You drive it over there, you may get a lie, you may not. So it, it puts the, the – Pinehurst. Sure, Pinehurst. That's the one I think of when you say that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, um, sure. You know that 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 works. Um, but in the fairway, there's consequences for hitting the ball 340 yards that you have to deal with. The same ones that players that drive at 270, 280 have to deal with. But you should hold everybody accountable, and they do in Scotland. They do. You know, you get up on you know, the second hole at, at St. Andrews and there's a bunker out there on the left that you can't see that's 310 yards, I think, something like that. And it's in the back of your mind. Uh, now, when it's downwind, I can get there. But, you know, when it's into the wind, the longer hitters have to deal with But there's, you know, the 12th hole. You get that hole into the wind. Um, you know, it's downwind. Tiger drove it over that green. But you get to the, there's four bunkers in the middle of the fairway. Yeah. Four. Now, it, it, makes push, you choose it pushes you into the yeah. rough. Are you going to lay up short? Are you going to try to carry it? Wait, tell me that design. And, and the problem with architecture in the United States, and this is a big problem. Again, if I were an architect, I would work very hard so that no touring pro could denigrate my work without consequences. So when a touring pro, first of all, n- n- hardly any of them are educated to the extent that they've got any opinion about architecture that should ever be listened to. To the opposite, almost. When they say something, you do the, the opposite. when they're uncomfortable, that's what you should be doing. That's today. right. Yeah. That's right. You know, um, like I'll give you an example. Gil Hans redid Doral. And again, Gil Hans is trying to solve the problem of how do you build a golf course that tests the best players in the world. So the very first hole at Doral, he cants that green left to right, and he puts a ridge sort of just left center of the green to where if your angle is from the left, you got issues. Mm-hmm. You're all of a sudden going to have to run it up or you're going to have to hit a high draw, and the water's right to the right. And J.B. Holmes drove it down there and had six iron into the green, but he was on the left side of the fairway. And his six iron hit in the green, but it came in from the left side of the fairway, so it was canting towards the water and it rolled in the water. And then he went into the media center and dogged that design and dogged Gil Hans. And, and, 
and that affects Gil Hans's livelihood because yeah. because if people listen to tour pros criticizing golf course architecture that when they really don't know what they're talking about then they cannot appreciate you know they're they're generally just embarrassed so they want to blame the mistake yeah. on the architect and the fact is somebody should have said JB if you had driven it down the right side of that fairway and taken, taken on, on more, more risk, risk yeah. then you would have had a better angle and your six iron would not have gone in the water mm-hmm. um, I feel like Gil is is one of the few I don't want to say one of the few but Gil is not afraid to ruffle some feathers no, with he's, the tour pros he's not but look Cor Crenshaw built Kapalua the second hole there is a reverse Redan. Left of that green used to be an almost impossible pitch to get it close. But tour players complained hmm. about the severity of that pitch, so they they marginalized it a little bit. They raised it up, and and it's not as good a hole. Mm-hmm. It was a better hole, and th- there was an art to play in that hole. You know, you you had to hit it sort of front left and and be shaping it. It depended upon the wind because usually the wind's coming hard left to right. So you had to work on the shape. But almost to the man, I've always said this. If 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 you're setting up, first of all, if you're designing a golf course, you need to know how far tour players hit it and their dispersion rates. And beyond that, you need to have just a great understanding of the game of golf and, and be be smart and artistically inclined. But you do not need the opinion of tour players. Quite the opposite. You do not want the opinion of tour players. You need to have your own philosophy. And then when you're setting a golf course up, you should never listen to tour players. You should, again, have in your mind a very clear idea of what type of golf you want to reward and then stick to it. And then if if a tour player comes up, you're like, listen, here's what we're doing here. This is why there is rough out there. This is why that pup buckers in the middle of the green or in the middle of fairway. This is why it's there. And philosophically, you just have an argument that they can't, they, they cannot debate. I'm with you 100% in that the this but this goes back to golf as entertainment and as business it's like there's a reason why all the courses kind of look the same on the PJ tour for the most part generally speaking it's because that's the kind of like if you are the outlier in this regard and you make players uncomfortable guys won't come to your event well they, play it Pete Dye did it you know and, yeah but now the way just again the way the business of golf is well that's now, true there's they, just so many big events that you know like hey i don't like that golf course it's pretty easy for a player to say i'm not going to go play there then well that you're, you're 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 right about that but i mean they do go play the players mm-hmm. and but it, it, the players is, where, is a unicorn i think like, that you're, is, you're right about that yeah. you're, you're right about that but I, I i will say that if if players of europe like you i think you've got a great responsibility and that is to, uh, and even like Zach Blair, I, I, they've got they're they're educating tour pros about proper architecture. They're trying to even with the golf course and uh, was it Trinity Forest, and they're trying to educate tour players about proper golf course architecture so that they're not taken aback by bizarreness, uh, randomness, blind shots. You know, tell me where there's a blind shot in the United States. But yet you go over to Scotland or Ireland, and they're yeah. everywhere, and and they're wonderful. Blind shots, pot bunkers, um, bizarre green complexes, you know, punch bowls. Uh, these these things are they're fabulous. They 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 invite a randomness and a variety to the game of golf that that piques the interests of of players. My you know my only contention is is that they at least in a professional sense they need to be beefed up a little bit. 
to some extent where they scare the hell out of tour players as well as pique their interest. Yeah. The same way, look, I, I think Pete Dye was, you know, he had the right idea. And, and from a strategic standpoint, you can go through every hole at TPC Sawgrass and, and there's solid shot values there. There really is. Um, as a tour player, I didn't like it because it made me very uncomfortable and I didn't find it particularly pretty. But if you take that philosophy and you do it maybe in a, in a different way, a more artistic way, on a better piece of property, then you got something. Mm-hmm. Something that really made the light bulb go off for me was reading about Bobby Jones and his relationship with the old course. I mean, he famously walked off the 12th hole or 11th hole back in uh, in the early 20s, I think, because he just thought it was unfair and he just didn't. 11th hole, yeah. Yeah, 11th yeah. hole. And mm-hmm. he, he thought it was unfair and just couldn't figure out like why he was getting all these bad bounces. And it came to be his favorite course and his course that he designed Augusta National after and how I kind of went through it on a much, much smaller scale was the first time I played the old course, I didn't love it. And I just didn't understand why I kept having these awkward 60-yard shots. And I wasn't thinking like, hey, I've got to figure out my way around this, like from the green backwards. And that's just what is not prevalent, I think, in professional golf. You don't. I stand right. on the tee in the UK. I agree. And my, I let my instincts take over as to what I should do. I mean, I hit irons off par fives as... as criminal as that sounds on this podcast, I mean, it was so baked out this summer that you could still get there and your instinct is shouldn't be just a grab driver and, and not think about anything. It's you got to think about how far the ball is going to run out. I, and again, it goes back to soil type and you can't just in Detroit, you can't make a links course in the middle of, uh, you know, where they end up hosting a lot of these PGA tour events. But again, it's also very cyclical and that the way the with how far the ball goes now, we're so limited as to what courses can host a PGA Tour event and have hospitality and all the things that go along with the business of golf. That it's almost I kind of liken it to uh, not to get too political with it, but like the climate report is like maybe it's already too late. Like right. <laughs> technology's already right. gone so far, <laughs> and with well, the with the way we're trending on the environment, like it might already be too late. I don't no, know don't, why we're handering don't, about don't, it. Don't, <laughs> don't don't give up on it. Uh, climate change or or um, or golf course design. You know, look, look, you know, I think one of the problems with golf course design is, to your point, to get people to come out. Um, the the idea of having celebrity architects, you know, the idea of having tour players. And I'm not dismissing, look, I'm of the opinion that there really is no bad golf. You know, even the worst golf is, is fun to me. You know, you go play a terrible golf course. I still get to hit shots. I'm outdoors. I'm with buddies, whatever. But some of the best golf courses were first tries by very smart people. Not not tour players. Um, Walton Heath was designed by Herbert Fowler. It was his first design. Crump, it was his first and only design, was Pine Valley. Jack Neville, Doug Grant, that was their first and only design, was Pebble Beach. Henry Fones, it was his first and only design, Oakmont. So when you start to look at, you know, it, it, the ideas are not that difficult. If the, if the first time somebody could do it, it's brilliant. It's not that difficult. It's just that if you come to it with biases that tour players inevitably do, and then you proliferate it to the extent of hundreds and hundreds of golf courses with your bias in there, um, then you're putting golf courses out there that are, that are not intriguing. They don't bring players back. And um, I, I just think it's a challenge for architects to come up with a few golf courses that could do it all, have it all, right? Having randomness, having variety, um, have the, the precepts that are existing 
at St. Andrews. You know, I think St. Andrews, St. Andrews, I mean, is there a better golf course in the world than St. Andrews? I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. But, it, but it's unique. Every hole's unique. It's random. I think for somebody like me, yes, but I don't think for professional golf and anymore, I don't think the old course is the best challenge for wow. professionals. Man, Boy, I, I, I do. I just, I mean, I it's say, just the, where they've got to put the tee boxes now. It's not, it's not the same golf course, right? I mean, your, your angle to come into those fairways is not how those hills were designed to be played. And I mean, the second tee is over on the ladies putting course. The 17th tee is out of bounds. I think the 14th tee is on the Eden course. And Again, the guys hit it so damn far that their angles just don't matter that much because they can stop wedges over some of those hills and whatnot, even when it's firm out there. Um, to the point that it, it, the brilliance of the old course gets neutralized a little bit. I still think it's. I yeah. love to watch you guys watch, playing the yeah. Open champ, Senior Open Championship there this year. Like I loved yeah. watching that. But, but the equivalent exists in every sport. You know, every single sport is is different. You know, if there were a way to to talk about how. Um, sprinting had changed because it's so fast um you know you could you could turn sprinting back you could just make a softer running condition they used to run on coal yeah for crying out loud you could make it different you could you could you could raise the rims in basketball they don't do it why why don't they do it? i think i I think uh, making different other sports comparisons is is risky but also there's there's good points as well like basketball I, i imagine like some basketball purists hate seeing what's become of the three-point line in basketball. I mean, it is, even in the last five years, has just spiraled out of control to the point where analytics have led to understanding that, you know, making, shooting a ton of three-pointers, even if you miss a lot, can be good. It's better than taking mid-range jump shots. Again, that's not my bailiwick, but I think Steph Curry's changed basketball because he's big. And and even even basketball players are are thinning down Mm -hmm. to get faster um, to try to play that, that, that kind of game. But... You know, you know, there's lots of ways. Like, I, I just don't think that architecture has fully explored how to defend against today's best players. And and it can be with the speed of greens. It can be with the firmness of greens. It, it can be with, who knows, there's some really clever architects out there. And I love the work they're doing. I really do. I love Core Crenshaw's work. I love Weisskopf's work. I love Gil Hans's work. Uh, you know, I love Doak's work. Uh, they're fabulous out there. But if they really, if, 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 the tour got with one of these architects or several of them the same way they did Pine Valley, right? That was a collaborative effort, right? You know, George Crump got everybody in. And what did you get? The best golf course, arguably, in the world. And if, if you got them all together and said, look, here's what we want to do. We want to provide the ultimate challenge for players who are 60 yards longer than they used to be. Now, how do we do that? What do we do? They're going to come up with ideas and things just like Pine Valley. It was a complete original because they sat there and they thought about it. And, and I'd like to see that golf course. And I'd like to see Dustin Johnson and Cameron Champ and Justin Thomas have to play that golf course because it, it ekes me when I watch them miss half of the fairways and shoot 64. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what... I envision the highest pursuit of this sport to be. I think the main questions around that are just realistic nature of where you build these courses, how you go about building them and the sustainability of it. And it's like, well, they've always built courses. I know, but we're talking about more land. You're talking about, you know, rounds taking even longer pace of play is an issue. Only for tour players, only for tour players. I mean, it's, it's, it's just for tour players. And, and I'm not talking about, I'm not saying they have to be longer. Right. I'm not saying they have to be longer at all. I mean, first of all, distance isn't 
everything at all. It's, it's as you guys always argue, it's angles. And so make them accountable with angles, uh, make them accountable with, uh, hold them accountable for accuracy off of the T. But I think I'm in agreement with you in that regard, but in the, in a realistic world, what we just were talking about putting bunkers in the middle of fairway and Gil Hans, he did that at TPC Boston and the players hated it, and the tour took it out. Like it was, it was, it was amazing to me that they were willing to do this. Like here is an and, example. And yet of a they hole. go to St Andrews, and nobody complains about the twelfth hole. No, and but the, it was or the fourteenth hole with a with hell bunker right where you want to go. I forget where who Paul Easinger told this to. And I, sorry, I don't give credit to it, but um, he was ta- talking about somebody, some modern course, and he was talking about a blind shot and. And uh, he's like, well, what would you think of this? He's like, well, if you if you made this a blind shot, you're an asshole. And he's like, why? And, and like, there's of course in Scotland that have blind shots. He's like, yeah, they did that. You know, they didn't have bulldozers back then. If you give me a blind shot, you're just an asshole. Like you don't have to do that. But I found that interesting. It's like the the it has to be super historic for to you know for people to understand blind or to appreciate blind shots or tolerate them. I guess you could say. I don't but know. you go play Fisher's Island, and you know what is it? The third or fourth hole? Yeah. You've got to. You know, a completely blind. They're rare over here, but and I, and I get it. if you're playing golf for a living and you can't see where you want to go, I, I can understand the debate there. So at least from a professional standpoint, we don't have enough of those golf courses uh, in the United States in general. But as a professional, to have to hit a blind shot, obviously for obvious reasons, it's 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 not ideal. Um, so I understand the beef yeah. from a professional standpoint. I don't think necessarily the answer to any of this is necessarily blind shots. It's just but but more yeah, along get, the lines I get, of I get what you're talking making about. guys uncomfortable and not being being afraid. So right. w- part of I guess the issue around centering around this debate too is not just where the game currently stands, but like where does this stop? Where do we get to with technology? I mean, I we just talked with Ali Schneiderjans last week on the podcast, and he said that with the new driver he's putting in play for next next year, he gained five miles an hour of ball speed. It's yeah, like, but that's deb- that's debatable. I'm I'll, sure I'll it believe is. it when I see it. Okay, I believe it when I see it. I was on the range at Colonial, okay, standing right behind Kevin Na, and his caddy Harms. Um, anyway, his caddy came over and said, "This new driver is it makes him twenty yards longer." And, and, you know, Nah was striping it. He was absolutely ripping it. And he said he was 20 yards longer. And, and, I, and I said, really? I said, you know, I'm going to look that up. And he was like, no, I'm not kidding you. It made him 20 yards longer. Well, you go look at Kevin Nah's driving average last year versus the year before, and it's a couple yards difference. And when I – look, I've done those tests. I've been I've – been, uh, I've sat there and tested the equipment. And, you know, they'll say, you know, this one's six miles an hour faster or this one's – and maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You know, maybe they're just picking mm-hmm. the best drive you hit and saying it was six True. miles. And maybe they're picking the worst one you hit with your old driver. Because, look, they're trying to switch you out of a driver and into a new one. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, especially with Ollie Schneider Jance, you could change one or two things and he'd hit the ball 30 yards further. Ollie Schneider Jans has one of the lowest launches, highest spins on the PGA Tour. He can swing 120 miles an hour and he nowhere near hits the ball far enough. Uh, or as far as he could, all you'd have to do is hit it a little higher on the face, put the ball up, hit it higher, and he'd be 20 yards, 30 yards longer, just like that. So who knows what they were right. doing. But I'll believe it. If his ball speed goes up six miles an hour, 
I'm not, that was an example I'm saying in just in general and that what, what, what happens next? Where do we keep going with this? Cause we can't, you know, as early as the twenties, thirties, forties, you know, architects are writing is like, we can't keep going backwards. Like, and you look at a golf course now and way the, some of the, the walks from like at Aronimic this year, the walk from the eighth tee to the ninth tee was across two other holes and it's back on the, sp- it's like, what are we, what are we really doing here? Well, it's about to get worse and it, and it's, you know, maybe a little bit, it'll be some innovative, uh, work and equipment, but the most, for the most part, I mean, the, what's about to happen is a flux, a, an absolute tsunami of athletes. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, I'm talking about, Six two to six four, flexible and strong, perfectly trained, with a great understanding of where distance comes from, and you ain't seen nothing yet. Is is and, and so yeah, it's I'm with you guys. I believe something needs to be done, um, and and I believe that when the tsunami hits, because uh, I think. Cameron Champ is is you know that is that's the water receding exactly you know because that's that's exactly what that is and it's like the fish are flopping on the beach and everybody's running out there to go you know grab some dinner but they're about to get you know yeah bowled over because it's coming there were 95 guys last year that averaged over something like that 95 guys almost 100 guys averaged over 300 yards 60 on, 60 guys exactly averaged on the web.com oh i'm sorry on the web.com yes yeah, on yeah. the web.com tour PGA so I, I look at the web.com tour as what's coming and it's you know it's almost twice the numbers so um it was 60 in 2018 on the pga tour 40 in 2017 27 in 2016 so it's more than doubled in the last yeah. two years yeah there's a number of factors you, that go into that it droughts and everything that can affect sure distance. and, and but look, there was one in 2002 but <laughs> but for all practical purposes the line in the sand was drawn in 2003 for cor for moi for ball speed for dimples you know for length of club all that mm-hmm. so in particular, the last four or five years, we have seen some, agree, I mean, just mind-blowing uh, numbers on the PGA Tour. And, and it's, again, I, I maintain that it's, it's bigger, stronger, faster athletes coming out here. And, and, yes, I agree. Something needs to be done about it. But I think the first thing would be architecture. Because, look, if you challenge these guys, if you challenge these guys out there and you hold them accountable – and you have pick your pick your hazard out there that holds them accountable, whether it's diagonal bunkers or pot bunkers or any number of other ways you can do this thick rough, whatever you want to do. They're going to want a spin of your golf ball. They're going to want a driver with less MOI, in other words, a smaller head with uh, ability to maneuver the ball more. They're going to they're going to slow the ball down. They're going to they're going to be able to curve it more. Um, and there, there's going to be a, a – look, imagine if tour players had to play Le Golf National or its equivalent, okay? They would get a spinnier ball yeah. and they would have less MOI and they would hit it shorter. Um, what did you think of that golf course in particular? I'm curious your take. Well, you know, I, I wasn't there. I, I, I didn't see it up close and personal. In general, I thought it was brilliant uh, what Thomas Bjorn did. They, you know, that's that's what you're meant to do if you're the coach of the other side is find the weaknesses of the other side and exploit it. So in general, I I, I didn't find the golf course particularly memorable. Um, 
But would you like to see those kind of setups on the PGA Tour, though? Well, not necessarily that particular setup, but it's equivalent could be, I think, achieved through creative architecture. And that particular setup wouldn't be terrible two, three, four times a year. That used to be the U.S. Mm -hmm. Open. That used to be. It used to be you have to hit the fairway or you're going to pay a very stiff penalty. And I, you know, I I read y'all's work. I read all these architect lovers. I, I read their work. And I'm, I agree with a lot of it. But the hardest thing to do golf is hit it long and straight. Mm-hmm. That is the hardest thing to do. That is the shortest list in the history of golf. The number of players who hit it very long and very straight. And that's what the U.S. Open used to be about, intimidating you from a, uh, from a task standpoint. Augusta was about strategy and creativity and risk and reward. But the U.S. Open had its own identity. And now then they're all kind of muddled up, you know. So I would like to see two, three, four golf courses a year like La Golf National. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that PGA Tour just needs to like widen fairways or golf would be better with wider fairways because I just don't think, the back to the point, I don't think the angles matter that much. So to a certain extent in watching some golf in Abu Dhabi this year, I, I was also kind of like, you know what? Like narrow with rough is not a bad thing for professional golf necessarily. What I think needs to be eliminated the most is I followed Dustin Johnson. I think I got this right. DJ, Rory, and Matthew Fitzpatrick were all in a group. And DJ and Rory. Where, where were you at? This was in Abu Dhabi. Okay. And DJ and Rory just blew it past a series of bunkers. And it was just like driver wedge course. And, and Matthew Fitzpatrick had to think about those bunkers. And he had to hit three wood six iron on one of the holes where they hit driver wedge. And the, the trouble only existing for the next tier of distance, I think, is horrible for golf. I think it, when you can eliminate trouble by hitting driver is a terrible, terrible thing you should be hesitant to want to hit it. I think we're saying the same thing in that regard, but it's so important. And Aronimic was very bad for that as well. Mm-hmm. Walking with Kevin Kisner during the pro-am, he was just like, dude, these bunkers are death for me. And Rory doesn't even have to think about these, which again, distance is a skill. And to your point, the hardest thing to do is hit it long and straight. I think today it's, it's never been easier to do that with the, the modern equipment, the ball that doesn't spin the drivers that launch it at the, at the way that it does. And as much as driving accuracy is not a premium, we had Mark Brody on the podcast in, in the spring, and he said the biggest misconception about golf is that the top players in the game are long and crooked. They're actually very long and straight when you think about the, de- the degree at which they're putting the drives at, at the distance that they're hitting them. And so I agree it's hard to do that, but it's also never been easier, and that is a, at such a premium. Now, we've covered that at, to, at this point, but it is just like – all right, it's almost like a prerequisite. It's you have to be a certain length player to really compete at the highest level. Well, you don't have to be. There are players out there that make a living that don't hit it very far. Make a living, yes, but uh, to, well, to Matt Kuchar's made a hell yeah. of a living. The only person that's broken 60 twice is Jim Furyk. Um he's made 80 million dollars and I promise you you can hit it further than Jim Furyk and everybody in this restaurant out there <laughs> can hit it further than Jim Furyk. Um, that's it. Exceptions to there are always exceptions to the rule. Well, there's there's probably in the top fifty. I would I would say there are probably six players that we would call short. Mm-hmm. And when people say, "Well, they're not short anymore," I'm like, "No, no, no, no. They're short relative to tour players." And then there's probably another ten that you could say are are average average hitters. 
maybe just a little above average, like a Jordan Spieth. And then the rest of them are, you know, on the short side of long or, you know, really, really long. Um, but they're, you know, the rub of the game used to be that if you hit it long, you had a wider dispersion rate and there was a penalty for that. When you do away with the, dis- the, uh, the penalty for a wider dispersion rate, you have destroyed the integrity of the game. Mm-hmm. The integrity of the game is, is, is it's very important for there to be a proper penalty for a wider dispersion rate. Otherwise, it's all about distance. And that's just not right. Um, that's just not what this game is meant to be. It's meant to be far more interesting than that. And yeah. it's, it's meant to be far more challenging than that. So, and that's why guys are going to the gym right now. You know, I recently played with Jimmy Walker. He's a friend of mine and we were playing in San Antonio and I was giving him a little grief about how crooked he was driving it. And there were, uh, we were in a fivesome and all really good players. Um, you know, everybody in the group, you know, shooting 66 or whatever. I mean, really good players. And uh, he finally, you know, got fed up and he was like, look, hitting fairways does not matter. He goes, I am the crookedest player in this group and I'm the only one that's won a major. And, uh, and we had John Rahm last year. Uh, we did an interview about the modern golfer and he said exactly that. He said, it does not matter if you miss fairways. Brooks Kepka said the exact same thing. He said, it does not matter if you miss fairways. So it should matter if you miss fairways. And the only reason it doesn't is because the tour is listening to tour players. And, and look, the, the precepts of Alistair McKenzie's design are wide and playable, which is great for the masses. Mm-hmm. But if you want to challenge the very best players, as far as they're hitting it now, I promise you if Alistair McKenzie were alive today, he would rethink that thought as it relates to professional golfers. Mm-hmm. He would not just say what was true 100 years ago is still true today. He would kick that opinion around. I'm certain of it. And he would change his mind and he would change the way he designs golf courses. So to copy all of his precepts, for an architect to come out and just say, I am going to live my life according to Dr. McKenzie's philosophies 100 years ago, I think is an error. Because I promise you, if McKenzie were alive today, because he's an original thinker, he would, have, he would look at the game and change his philosophy and figure out a way to hold tour players accountable. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's, it's, it, he would look at the technology and one, he'd say, one, we need to do something about this. And it, it wouldn't, yeah. he wouldn't design the, yeah, the golf courses he has today for the, for, for the yeah. modern technology. And that's, that to me is a big shame because he, the, there's so many great pieces of work, classic pieces of work that are now, you know, don't get seen very often. And we played at Royal Melbourne last around this time last year, Second hole's par five, and I, I hit it decently far. I hit it. I swing at about 113 miles an hour, which is about average That's, on tour. Yeah. But like, like I hit nine iron into that green. Yeah, I was kind of like something's wrong. You hit it probably almost 300 yards. Then. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not nearly with the same consistency, obviously. But yeah. uh, a few more, and we'll let you get out of here. This is. I think we've turned this into a two-parter now. But what are some of your favorite um, major championship setups in in recent history, past history? I, I, let's, let's stick to recent, actually, with the technology area, era. What are some of your favorites and what are some of your least favorites and why? Well, let me think about that. My favorite, uh, well, my least favorite was um, uh, Chambers Bay. Wasn't a fan. Um, Neither was Gary Player, by the way. Um, well, I believe you called it a tragedy on the Golf Channel. Yeah. 
yeah. that's like one of my favorite videos yeah, ever. I, I, I remember that. Uh, it, you know, I mean, more than anything, the condition of it was was just, you know, astonishingly bad. Um, I get the idea of it, but again... It just wasn't executed. Well, not only was it not executed, you cannot test golfers today with that philosophy. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can... You can make it fun for the masses, and that golf course was designed for the masses, but also with the idea of holding a tournament. Um, you know, um, U.S. Open wise, I, I'd say I liked Pinehurst. I enjoyed Pinehurst. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of trying to do something different um, and and try to let the ball get away from players and punish them with the angles. It's a it's a great idea. Uh, you know, it just so happened it was an incredibly boring event because Martin Keimer, you know, yeah. looked like Zeus out there. Um, and that's uh, where I get into, not to interrupt you, but I get into like, again, what is professional golf? Because I think Bell Reeve was a very uninspiring design. Everything goes to the left and that produced probably the most exciting major of the year. Tiger had a lot to do with that, but sure. setting a course up for excitement. So did Chambers Bay, by the way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, was, it was vindicated by the, uh, by the outcome and the players that were playing. So, again, that's my point about even bad golf courses can give you great golf sure. and can give you a, a, a wonderful time. I, you know, Bell Reeve, it's just unfortunate that it was so soft. Right. Um, and, you know, people are making a big deal out of Tiger finishing second there. Like, you know, there was probably no other golf course in the world where he could have finished second driving it as poor as he did. Sure. Um, it was just a perfect scenario. I, I was not fond of Bell Reeve at all. Um, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate that they have to play that. And that's why they're moving the PGA to another time. Mm-hmm. It's like the PGA is just played in dreadful conditions, very hot, very wet, Humid, very soft. Yeah. Um, let me think. Um, I always enjoy, I enjoyed Pebble Beach in 2010. Um, you know, I thought it was, uh, I've played a couple of U.S. Opens there when the greens were so bad. They were so bumpy. The POA? Uh, the POA. Uh, they were so bad in 1992. Uh, so what would that be like this year? I'm I don't know. I'm not an expert at all. <clears throat> no, nor am I. Um, but, but that, that was the first thing I thought of when I thought Chambers Bay, I think of the broccoli greens and the POA that comes up in June. And we're also, this yeah. is the West was, Coast. Was, was, it, was Chambers Bay a POA problem or was it the fact that the, the, uh, um, the fescue just didn't grow and the traffic was such that they had such small pinnable spots given the enormity of those greens that they, the traffic was so bad it killed the... Yeah, my understanding was the fescue laid down so, got matted down so <clears throat> severely and the, the POA that was popping up just caused balls to plinko back and yeah, forth. Yeah, um, um, You know, but, I, who knows? Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, you always know when you go to Pebble Beach that the ball's going to bounce around but they were really bad in 92. They weren't they weren't, as I can recall, they weren't bad at all in 2000. Um, you know, look, I, I, I listened to everybody say Marion was a terrible setup. Um, well, I, everybody. It's mostly people trying to say that it was contrived. I don't buy into that at all. I thought Marion was, uh, was a fabulous venue. I enjoyed it. Uh, Muirfield, um, the bunkering at Muirfield is... is you know, I spent the summer in Scotland in 1982 and played them all, played them all a lot, spent a lot of time looking at them and playing them. And I thought, I didn't know anything about architecture then, but I thought if there's better bunkering than Muirfield anywhere in the world, I don't know where it's at. And I don't, I'm, I'm 
standing there 40 years down the road, <laughs> and I still don't know where it's at. Yeah. So I always enjoy Mirrorfield just because I love the bunkering. I love to look at it. Um, and, and then I always have the same thought. Why is that bunkering not done in the United States? Mm-hmm. Why does nobody bunker a golf course like that? I'm trying to think of other courses that I that I that I just loved. Uh, you know what? I, I liked Oakmont. I was just going to say I, that I liked Oakmont. I thought Oakmont was one of the most <clears throat> the best U.S. Open setups. And yeah, so much has to go right for them. But again, this all goes back to technology, and that they have to do so much to a golf course to prevent scores from going super low. I actually thought they did a great job with Aaron Hills. They let the score. They didn't. Like, granted, the rain kind of dictated that, but that golf course was meant to be played in the wind and firm. They didn't get that, and scores went low. I think that's way better than tricking it up at the last second or kind of panicking mm-hmm. and being afraid of scores going low. And I get some people are, you know, scores need to be high at the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open. but I don't care what the scores are. Anytime you put four par fives and make it a par 72 to professional golfers, I don't care what you do to the course, the scores are going to be low. Right. Uh, you know, Aaron Hills was, uh, I thought the fairways were too wide. Um, for those conditions, without a doubt. Yeah, but again, they, it's supposed they're... to be firm and crosswinds when those start going. Yeah. Like CJ yeah. Cup last year, <clears throat> I was out there in Korea. First round, no wind. And, and you it was get soft. around. <laughs> I tried to travel a little bit. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and the there was no wind and no, uh, it was soft. And it was just like, what is this golf course? And then the fall conditions hit and there were crosswinds and it firmed up. And I was like, okay, that's why. And yeah. that's what missed out at, at Aaron Hills. So I, 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 I thought Shinnecock was good. The yeah. exception of 13 and 15 whole locations on, right. on Saturday. You know, I think last minute they pushed those whole locations. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they'd like a do-over. Um, and then they, you know, the, they re- reacted with um, whole locations right in the middle of the greens on Sunday. So, you know, they, they had two and a half days of, you know, perfect setup uh, at Shinnecock. I thought it was, you know, they were, they were, they were so close to getting it right. right. I agree. So close. I agree. You know? All right. We'll let you out of here on that, Brandon. Thank you for the time. This was you a lot you. of fun. I think this, this goes to my theory that. Uh, I, even when I'm reading you on Twitter and whatnot, I'm like, ah, I just want to debate them on this. But if you had your own <laughs> podcast, you would, all of your takes would make so much more sense. I, I think. will have my own podcast next year. Oh yeah, uh, I figured that was that was only a matter yeah, of time. Jaime and I, Jaime and I are going to have our own podcast. Uh, just do it once a month, um, you know. And 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 you know, Jaime's a smart guy. I don't know if you know Jaime. He's Diaz. been on the podcast before. Yeah, actually, yeah, he's a very thoughtful man. Yes. So I, I've I've wanted to work with him for a long time. Cool. But, uh, but I always enjoy. Uh, you know, I don't do many of these, but I, I enjoy, you know, most people doing podcasts in the golf that I've talked to are very knowledgeable about the game. And I, I, I always learn. Uh, I read you guys. I follow you guys. I learn Appreciate from you guys. It. We're trying to learn as well. That's why I, uh, <laughs> it's much similar to what we were talking about with what you do with your hosts on air. It's good, it's good to have a debate and see things from both sides and think about things from, from different schools of thought. Absolutely. So, Brandel, thanks for having me down. And uh, we appreciate it. And let's do it again sometime. You got it. Cheers. Be the right club today. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.